I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, another week, Kevin. Another week. Here we go. Already calling on me. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) I came in so hot today. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Like flew in here. I totally flew in here. I was late. So, you know, when like your day's just been like buzzing from like, go, 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 like. That's what when today's you're jumping meant. from one thing yes. to the next. And I love those days, but I feel like I've been like, I've worn 10 hats today. <laughs> so th- this is funny. You'll love this. Georgie, my youngest Georgie, who's 15 years old the other day. Um, I, it was something around food and I was supposed to have like breakfast made by a certain time or dinner made by a certain time. And I dropped the ball and he goes, Mom, you you have one job. Like, you have one job. Ouch. <laughs> and I was like, Cracking the whip. George, I actually have like 10. Yeah, you wear many hats. <laughs> uh, between counseling and podcast and speaking yep. and counseling and, blah, and parenting mm-hmm. and single mom parenting. And I mean, Carter opened the refrigerator today and he was like, Hey, Ma, can you go to the grocery store? I, do you know what I wanted to do to him? <laughs> punt. I wanted to punt him. You can drive. <laughs> oh. So welcome to another week of The Remedy. I want to thank today's sponsor, who's my brother. My sweet brother is sponsoring today's episode. He, um, a couple of weeks ago, I'd sent, I put up a post about... Um, uh, sponsoring and he was the first one i was like hey bro (laughs) you don't you don't need to he was like you know i'm your biggest cheerleader it was really so sweet he's so sweet so thank you so much to my brother jari carter he lives in utah and he listens and he's such a fan and i'm so grateful so thank you thanks jari yeah and Kevin thanks you for sure. Um, okay, so today I was running late, and I'm really bummed that I was running late. But the good news is the topic for today we already planned on doing two weeks because it's such a um, there's so much to it, and and I'm saying that, and I really don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, but I I love this woman so much. Um, I actually met her through my Stegen program. I often talk about. Stegen, and what an amazing uh, opportunity it's been for me to be a part of this group. And we had we actually had Rand Stegen uh, come in and talk about what Stegen is all about. But this this awesome girl caught my eye. You know when like you're in a group for the first time and you don't know anybody. I know you know what I'm talking about because you have anxiety about this, Kevin. Sure. You go to a room, you don't know anyone, you're put into a group. What's one of the first things you do? You start asking questions. 
you start scanning the room. Oh, yeah, but I like, mean, that's like my ultimate defense is I just started you know, interviewing everyone. It makes it oh, easier I don't to start talk. up conversations. I'm the exact opposite. Oh, see, I'm an introverted extrovert, so I'll immediately start talking and trying to get something going, but it's, it's, it's a defense mechanism because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm the exact opposite. I think I'm a, you're an introvert extrovert? I'm an extroverted introvert. Then I think I'm the opposite. But no, you seem very extroverted too. But if I don't know anyone and I'm just sitting in a room and I don't know anyone, I do not talk. Really? No. Huh. I scan the room and I find the person that I'm going to talk to. And D was my girl. Oh. <laughs> you never told me that. I love that. Yeah, I scan the so room. So yours is like a targeting process. <laughs> I would be friends with her. <laughs> How many people in the room were we talking here? There were. How wide a spread? There's what, 25 in our group D? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's that a pretty night. elite selection there. Yeah. The, she chose, was... the chosen one. Wow. I feel so honored. <laughs> uh, I she that. was my girl. It was actually you and Graham. Yeah. I love. <laughs> I <can see> why. <laughs> well, Graham was sitting next to me, and then you were. You were not at my table, but you were near me, and I just kept looking. At, and then we were put in the same group, and it just, you know, karma works in our favor. Like, the universe works in our favor. So, yeah. um, I all to say, not, I mean, you're gorgeous on the outside, but there was something about you that caught my eye. And uh, we hit it off right away, and we both love Stegen, and we both love our coach, Bert. And we've both gotten a lot out of it. And, um, but I really haven't even known your job until we got to talking a few weeks ago about your profession. And I was just blown away by the things that you were sharing with me. And I, I actually said, let's, let's stop talking about it because I want you on my podcast and I want you to tell me all about it and educate, educate all the listeners. We have the amazing thing, D, is we have thousands of listeners all over the world mm -hmm. that are going to benefit greatly from your wisdom. So I know you only have now, um, what, 20, 20, we have 28 minutes with you. Um, today. 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 So and we'll, then for part yes, one. So part one, and we'll continue this next week. So D, um, for the benefit of people who haven't had the privilege to know you or meet you, or understand anything about what you do, your title, all the letters behind your name. Uh, will you just tell us a little bit about you personally, and then tell us a little bit about you professionally, and then we'll get yeah. into all of it. Okay, perfect. Well, and first I have to say two things that, that I heard you just talk about. The fact that you wore lots of hats today. I just pictured you, and I always see you wearing so many awesome hats, and how great you look <laughs> at that. She literally wears <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Uh, way to put it. I wear um, those because okay. I don't want to wash my hair. If you just really want to know the truth. I was just like, which 10 did she wear today? She must look fabulous. Um, 
And then, and just the second part about um, Bert, our, our shared coach at, at, through the Stegen program, um, I was just telling him last week after we met where I said, you know, sometimes you just meet people. I, I, I heard this somewhere recently. You just meet people sometimes and they feel like home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how I felt when I, when I saw you across the room too. So it is just serendipitous that, that we were able to meet through that program. So I'm very grateful for that. Me too. Thank you for um, saying that. That is a very, that's such a compliment, especially from you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And so, yeah, a little bit about me. What's hard about to describe who I am and what I do is it doesn't really fit in a box. Um, But by education and training, um, I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. Um, I was living in Hawaii and graduated from University of of Hawaii with an undergraduate degree in health and exercise science. You know, thought maybe I'd go into be a physical therapist or, you know, I was just all into fitness and health and didn't really know what I wanted to do when I wasn't on the beach. So I was sort of having a fun sort of um, healthy life, but very much into health and fitness. And then um, went on to graduate school um, to get a degree in counseling psychology. Um, So then got just really interested in, I had one course in statistics and I think neuropsychology. So I became fascinated by how our brain affects our behavior. Um, and so really from there, got a job working in, in research in Hawaii, actually was on a, um, an HIV AIDS uh, dementia research study. Um, oh. People with HIV and AIDS have a very, um, if they get a certain pattern of dementia, it looks very different than some other type of, of brain-based uh, dementia patterns. So that was my first, like right out of college, um, graduate school job where I just got even f- much further interested in how what's happening in our brain changes, how we experience life, how we show up in life, and I, and I think just all of our experiences and our outcomes in life. Um, and so kind of fast forward, you know, 20 years from there, I've worked in all sorts of hospitals and settings, clinical research, um, looking at imaging studies of brain, doing neuropsychological testing, so sitting down with people for eight hours and testing all parts of their cognitive performance, how they think, how they process information, um, how they feel, you know, what, are they depressed or anxious, do they have head injury, things like that. Um, and now I'm at a place where I just see this big gap with even healthy people, healthy high performers, um, like a lot, of, a lot of your listeners who are, you know, working hard, really productive, really effective, but um, maybe just feel like they wish they could do more or they just want to know how their brain's performing. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll pose this question to you, uh, Tova and Kevin. Um, how often do you, you know, get your brain checked? Never. I've never had, well, I've had my brain checked one time at Cooper clinic when I worked there cause mm. it was free and I was probably 31 oh, and now I'm was- 49. <laughs> Was it a was it an imaging test? Yeah, it was an imaging. It was an imaging. Very cool. And I've never never had that. You never have, Kevin. Okay. No. So most most people haven't. Most people are like, I never have and I never want to. I I don't want to know what's going on in my brain. Um, Or if they have, or if they've known someone that has, it's probably because something was wrong. They were probably worried about something. And so the conversation Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to to change Mm -hmm. is. Why don't we look at our brain regularly, right? We, um, when you join a gym like Cooper or I, or I go to Equinox or if you join even like a you know, 24-hour fitness lifetime, they start off with, the, with a big assessment 
of your physical health, right? Mm -hmm. How strong are you? How flexible are you? Um, what's your endurance like? And then they tailor a program to help you optimize all those areas of your physical health. Mm -hmm. um, and we can do the same things with our brains. We can take it. We can do a really thorough assessment, um, which I can talk about. And I'm happy to even send information. You know, I don't know if you have somewhere that we can post something. But I'm such a visual learner that sometimes seeing some of these things is really helpful. Yeah, we can um, post it. Okay, I'll, I'll send some great yeah. visuals and some good resources for people to follow up. That'd with. be great. Um, That'd be great. But yeah, but so we can see like how how is someone's brain doing? Are, is their brain too fast, too slow? How's their endurance? How's their speed? Um, and there are certain biomarkers that we can see to show not only a healthy brain, but very early what might be an indication that there might be something not working as well as it should in our brain, which is then causing symptoms like depression, anxiety, insomnia, um, even slow processing, things like that. So that, that, that's kind of my main passion is measuring brain fitness mm -hmm. and then providing some tools to help make it better. Giving feedback based on what you see. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So, so if somebody comes to you, D, and they say like you, I mean, I'd love to do this. So I come to you and I say, I want to have a better understanding of my brain health. Um, what, what what happens? What do you do? What does that process look like? Yeah, perfect question. So what I would start off with is just, I'm, I'm also by training a counselor, LPC, licensed professional counselor. So we would sit down, um, nowadays it's over Zoom, um, but we would sit down and just have a conversation about, you know, what's going on? Are there things you're worried about? Um, what do you, what would you like to be better in? And, and truly like a medical history too, to find out what's going on. Um, if there are concerns or um, history of things like memory or Alzheimer's in the family. Because um, oftentimes people will come to me, you know, again, once they're worried about something or they have, they have a kiddo that's having um, concerns in school or, or with anxiety. Um, my two largest referrals here in Dallas are a pediatric GI doc. Um, so she has kiddos that come to her with all kinds of gut issues. They feel nauseous. They don't go to school because they feel so sick. But she'll do a scope and a medical workup, and they're perfectly healthy. Mm. So then we know it's that brain-gut connection that's probably you know at, at, at the core of this kiddo's um, symptoms. Okay, um, so can I pause there? I want you to keep going with that thought process, but I have a question about that, Dee, or okay. I don't know if it's a question or comment. You know, there's so – I have known so many people who have struggled physically – because of something happening psychologically, because of something happening in their brain. And yet there are so many people who are skeptical about that, who don't believe that, who don't give the brain-gut connection any credibility. Like, and I, so speak to that person who says, no, like, there is, that doesn't exist, or I'm skeptical of that, or I call BS on that. Like, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. seen the person who, who's, who has, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression, and their body is manifesting those, those things. Um, and so they go to the doctor because they have 
chronic diarrhea or they have an ups- they always have an upset stomach or they don't have an appetite or they can't gain weight whatever the gi or stomach issue is and so they go to the doctor the doctor can't find anything and now all of a sudden they are you know this is in your head and now you're a weirdo because <laughs> nothing's wrong with you physically in your body or in your gut and yet it is happening and it is real. So give give that person a voice. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Times. Gosh, so much to unpack there. So um and uh, and I'll just start with kicking off the with the idea that um it is a new area. That's why I think you're 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 spot on to recognize that people might be like, what? Um, because it's it's just a new conversation being had, largely because in the last 10 years or so, um, we've learned more about the brain than we ever knew before through a lot of these imaging studies. Now we can actually see what the brain is doing um, when someone is thinking or sleeping. So we, we finally now have a, have a way to see inside, essentially. Um, but Dr. Kenneth Cooper, back to your, your, your mentioning of, of the Cooper Fitness Center here in Dallas, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, I think in the 40s or 50s, he's a, he's a very healthy triathlete, um, big into running. And he actually, um, early on in his, his medical career, he said, you know, running's really good for you. People should start running to be more physically fit. And rumor has it, but I've actually heard him say it, that he almost lost his medical license because people are like, why are you telling people to go out and run? What if they trip in the street and fall and hurt themselves? Uh, But he was so ahead of his time to say physical fitness is important for your heart health. Um, And we just believe in the brain health, brain fitness world that we're just now getting to that point of saying things and um, that are kind of controversial or people just don't haven't heard it yet. It's not a normal or um, uh, really uh, regular conversation being had. Uh, But the science is really clear that um, there are certain patterns that we see in the brain and not that it's in their head like it's just psychological. It's electrical and chemical, like the brain is firing in a certain way to cause certain manifestations of feelings or thinking or behavior. Um, so, so it's not the idea that um, they're somehow controlling. It's truly that your brain is doing things without your conscious awareness that might be impacting your behavior and your overall life experience. Mm. So that's kind of, you know, the, the first thought is, well, let's, let's just look at it then and find yeah. out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so that then we have more information to me, it's all, everything I do, I feel like I'm just putting a puzzle together. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting all the different pieces. And oftentimes, cause I do it so much to me, it just seems like, oh, well, here's what we found. But people are sometimes blown away of like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like that explains why, you know, I have these issues or I'm good at this and I'm not good at that. Um, so, uh, you know, my, uh, my goal is why I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Cause I, my passion is just, just for people to know about this, to know it's available because it can be so helpful um, for a lot of people to, 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 to have as a resource. And that's the thing that I loved about talking with you. I was like, wait, what? I didn't even know this was an option. I, I mean, I know you can do brain scans, but what you, in the brief time we talked about this, what I didn't know is that you could see things like depression or um, anxiety, like those, the scan that you perform can show things 
that I didn't know brain, I'm sure, I mean, I'm probably sound really ignorant right now, but I would love to know if you wouldn't mind de giving a breakdown of like what your scan shows and what your scan can measure. Okay. Yeah. And so after we've kind of done the, the history and the information um, mm -hmm. session, then I'll recommend two, two main tests. One is um, just a cognitive test, you know, kind of solve some word problems or kind of like your standard neuropsychological assessment to see how someone's memory, attention, um, processing, um, really how their thinking is, as well as some emotional questionnaires on depression, anxiety, stress. And then, but for me, the kind of mother load test that I um, found out about, gosh, probably 15 years ago um, when I left Hawaii and went to the DC area, I started working for a, a clinic that did this type of brain mapping. I had never heard about it either. Um, I just started working somewhere through a friend's referral um, and I learned all about, uh, it's called EEG, so electroencephalography encephalography and so it's looking at the electrical activity of the brain how the brain is firing mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's simple it's, it's not invasive it's not painful it's like like a cap is put on the head it's like a shower cap or a swim cap um, and then we essentially just um, you know plug it into a software a computer program that measures what the brain is doing on the scalp, but we can then, uh, the software and the hardware essentially can then um, extrapolate probably what's happening um, in other, you know, deeper structures of the brain. So it's not, it's not that we're able to see deep in the brain, but uh, enough studies have been done that we can say, if this is what's happening in the top left-hand front of the brain, uh, of the head mm -hmm. of the brain, then we know that correlates with, you know, language processing centers of the brain. So we can get very clear what are called what are called biomarkers, mm -hmm. um, um, and one way to think about it is actually the the brain map shows like a color coded uh, re report that comes out that's really just lay friendly because it will show um, it'll show comparing each person to to a database. It's called a QEEG, quantitative EEG. So if you came in, Tova, and you had the test done, um, it would compare your data to other women your age who have no concerns. They, they feel really healthy. They feel really sharp. Um, and then we get something like a different score. So then we can see, does your brain map just uh, look just like their brain map? And in that case, they would be very green. Sorry, I say green is good. Mm -hmm. And the little depictions of the, of the brain would show green, like you're completely in the healthy, normal, average range for each of these um, brainwave patterns. Or if you were, say, say you had really high anxiety or a lot of stress, we'd see some red activity. So the brain is overactive in certain parts of the brain. Um, if someone is more depressed or maybe has a head injury, um, I, I think I mentioned to you too, I'm so fascinated right now having done a recent brain map uh, or a couple of recent brain maps on people who have had COVID-19 and are what, are what are considered long haulers that had, they've been sick for, a, for several months with the illness. Mm -hmm. um, they're showing brain maps that almost look like a brain injury. So they're having a lack of oxygen to the brain because it's such a respiratory um, affected uh, virus. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's fascinating too, because I think we just don't know what the long-term effects of that might might be for you know, for many years going forward. When you said that to me, I found that so fascinating. And I know, 
I know because there's so much we don't know <laughs> um, that, you know, there's no real concrete um, information right now available to know what will the long-term effects of of COVID-19 be. But one thing that you had mentioned that I found so fascinating was you said something, and I would love if you would speak to it. You said something about kids who had had COVID um, that there was, I, I don't know if there's evidence or if there's um, a worry or I don't, I don't even know what word to use, but that long term, if a child, you know, we think that kids not getting or kids getting COVID right now because they are so resilient and they have such a good immune system that they can power through it. And, you know, a lot of kids have had it and they don't even know they have it, but mm -hmm. that there could be long term effects neurologically to the brain because of COVID. Did you, you said something like that to me, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the studies that I'm reading and, I, and I'm just, I'm such a neuroscience nerd. I mean, I spend all my free time um, talking about brain and, and, and neuroscience. If you could see my bookcase behind me, like the whole wall is like brain books. So, <laughs> and I'm constantly watching webinars and just um, trying to learn as much as I can, taking courses in it. Um, and a recent one I took was a half day from a, a really well-known um, neuroscientists up in New York, where some of the studies are showing that the coronavirus, this coronavirus is almost like a, like a, an HIV virus or a herpes virus or a um, HPV, where mm -hmm. possibly it stays in the body um, for, we don't know how long, right? We're only a few months in, so we mm -hmm. don't know, but the people who are maybe getting sick um, repeatedly, they got sick, they think they're better than they get sick again. Mm -hmm. We're wondering if maybe it is because it's somehow staying in the body like some of those other types of, types of viruses do. Um, so that's where we just don't know if it is something that's in people's bodies, you know, wh what that longer term outlook could be. And this is very early, like people are just postulating and probably theorizing. But um, to me, it's fascinating and even yeah. more of a reason to, you know, get current um, assessments now so that as years go by or months go by, people mm -hmm. can retest to see any changes mm -hmm. um, or anything, any impacts from any any illnesses. Um, I've done brain maps on executives. Uh, besides the pediatric GI doc, I, I work a lot with a concierge medical practice here in Dallas. And those clients are often just high, high powered executives who just want to know like, how's my brain doing? So I can kind of find out how to get an edge or be even sharper. Um, and I've done brain maps on, on some of the executives there. And um, one in particular was in, a, was in a car accident and very clearly could see where that head injury was. Um, and so if we had had a prior one, we, we, we could have really compared um, exactly pre and post. Um, so really, you know, that's what I would just hope is, that, is one of the main takeaways is to know that we can test your brain health and brain fitness. And mm -hmm. the benefits might be to really track um, as we get older, because we know that changes in the brain, like for Alzheimer's, um, changes in the brain are happening often 10 years before someone even shows any symptoms. Whoa. So, so the earlier we can catch it and start seeing things, we can do things or make recommendations mm -hmm. to hopefully have a better prognosis or just an early intervention. So how can you, can you articulate or teach us what, what is that difference that you see in the brain, it, ten year. What 
what are you seeing? Is it say that I'm one of those people that there's like early signs, but it's so many years from when I would feel something or notice a difference. What do you see in that scan? What does it look like? So there, there are a few different things. So um, and just to simplify a pretty complex, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I'm process, sure. But but essentially, we we measure brain activity with the EEG. We look at, um, and I try to take it back to that fitness, the fitness analogy when you join a gym. So we look at the the power of the brain. So the the total EEG power. You know, we can look at brain waves of like delta, theta, alpha, and beta. And we can decipher each of those, filter those out, and see how strong they are. So can also and so the strength is based on something called peak alpha frequency we would expect to see a very um, distinct um, number um, essentially that's this, this is becoming almost like a like a measure of like your, your your temperature right your temperature has a really small window if it gets too low that's a problem if it gets too high that's a problem and this peak alpha frequency is a very similar type of number it should be right around 10 hertz or cycles per second and with people that have um, early cognitive issues or certainly dementia, if it gets to even like nine or certainly eight, then we know it's the cognitive decline happening in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be right around 10 if we start seeing it slipping to like 9.8 or um, if it gets to eight, then we're definitely concerned there's probably going to be cognitive issues. Um, or if it's much higher, if it's like 11, then we know that person's really stressed and anxious. Mm. Um, so that that's one of the metrics. And then we look at speed. Um, you know, how, how fast is the brain uh, performing? Are there certain brain waves that are going too fast? Um, I'll sometimes talk about like a, a gear analogy. Is, is someone's brain stuck in first gear, like kind of slower, slow to speed up, slow to process? Or are they kind of in overdrive where they're overly stressed and kind of going too fast? Um, so those are the, the key ones. We'll look at power, strength, and speed of of different brainwave patterns mm-hmm. um, to really, and as those change over time, we can get a sense of things aren't maintaining, they're, they're slipping, mm. um, just like you might get a physical test done every year, mm-hmm. and the doctor says, oh, you're, you know, your, your blood pressure is going up this year, but let's start watching it. You gain 10 so, pounds. <laughs> yeah, right, there's... there's outcomes. <laughs> and in the same way, we could say, what's mm-hmm. going on? Did something happen? And then we can start making recommendations earlier about changes they could make or just to start watching it so that so that we know what's happening sooner. So if, I, if my brain is working at an 11 and, you know, I'm over an overdrive, overly anxious, is, am I controlling my brain or is my brain controlling me? <laughs> <laughs> is that the million dollar question? Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It is a million dollar question. Well, both, right? Um, it, you know, but, but kind of like your heart, like, are you controlling your heart? Is your heart controlling you? Mm-hmm. And we know through meditation studies, we, we, we can slow down our heart rate. We can calm down our heart and we can speed it up. If we get anxious, our heart rate, our heart rate speeds up, but it also does it by itself, mm-hmm. right? Your heart rate automatically does certain things with, without you consciously doing it. And, and, and I, I think the brain is the same way. It, it's just doing what it's doing. I mean, it's what keeps us operating, you know, going through our life. But we can impact it with conscious effort. Um, there, there are probably some people who go through their entire life and never even think about their brain. Um, when I'm giving large talks through, you know, groups of 200 people, the keynote addresses, I'll ask that question. Like, how often do you think about your brain? And I'll show a scale of like one to five. And 
many people are just like, I never think about my brain. <laughs> uh, and, and the ones that do sometimes are only thinking about it because they're worried because maybe their parents have Alzheimer's or they have a kiddo with ADHD or autism or something that mm-hmm. makes them think about brains um, when they normally maybe wouldn't have. So my goal is to really have people thinking about it so they know whether there are things that they can do to improve it. And, and you know what, that's probably the, and, and we'll end on that for today, but that's probably like the most exciting thing for me about all of this is, is knowing that your brain can be assessed and you can see there are markers for things that I had no idea there were markers for Mm -hmm. and that it's not just information. I can take that information after I get a scan and I can do something with it to improve my brain health. And then therefore it would affect my overall health, which would, which is, which is amazing. I mean, I remember D, um, after I lost, after I lost, um, my son, Charlie, I was eating so much but I could not keep weight on me. Like mm-hmm. my my body was just blowing through. It was like I had a tapeworm. And, and I remember thinking I was always like hungry. I couldn't keep weight on. And it was, it was, it was the anxiety. It was the depression. It was the stress and of, of all of my emotions that were just killing my body. I could, mm-hmm. I could feel it. I could see it. You know, it didn't matter what I ate. My clothes fell off of me. There, to me, and I think that's when the first time I learned like this, you know, people would come up to me like, you need to gain weight. You need to eat. I'm like, I'm eating. Like, that's not the issue. Like, there really is such an amazing and and as much as we know, I'm sure there's so much more that we don't know, connection between the mind and the body. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that's why I love and I'm so fascinated by what you do um, because we, we hear that all the time, right? Mind-body connection, mind-body connection, mind-body connection. But if we don't know anything about our mind, how do we, how can we, how could we ever understand what effect that is having on our body? We don't. Yeah. We don't. Absolutely. And yeah. So I mean, that, that, you create this opportunity for people to find out and figure out and learn what that connection is, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, mind, body, but really even just psychological, physiological. So our heart and our, and our brain connection is just as sort of strange as our gut brain connection. Um, Cause it, it's, it's all one system, right? It's all connected. And sometimes yeah. I think with current medical um, practices, we go see the heart doctor or the gut, like they're all separate when really it's, it's all integrated and it's all one system and, and the brain ultimately controls it all. So I think it's sort of the, the, the main processing unit that, that needs to be addressed before the other systems can really be optimally uh, managed. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, next week we're going to get, get into, okay. If I came in and you know what, maybe in the next week, I just need to come have a brain scan so I can speak to this better. (laughs) But like, uh, although I don't know that I would want my scan results to be totally revealed. (laughs) 
<laughs> to the masses. We would lose followers, D. <laughs> um, but this is a great intro, a great teaser. And next week we will learn more about um, what those markers are. And you know what I'd also love to talk about is what are some of the physical things we might be feeling if our brain is compromised in any way mm. and we don't even know? And then what what can we do about it? Like, you know, like what's what's the remedy? What's the hope in in learning more about the state of our the state of our minds? Oh, love it absolutely. So we'll get into from the assessment, then what do we recommend? Because that's the that's really the the main meat is. So so now what? Now what do I do? So I, I'd be excited to share some of those ideas too. All right. Well, we'll get you back here next week, Deeg. I know you have a three o'clock call, so go get on it. All right. Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun, and I really look forward to to following up again next week. Thank you, Kevin and Tova. So much fun. Thank you, Dee. Have a good week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.